Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Tuesday, Gary, what is happening? Eh, Just reading this story here and thinking to myself... Are these people just plain stupid? I didn't say plain stupid. Are they plain? Playing stupid. Playing stupid. Yeah. Uh, Here it is. Uh, Voters are feeling horrible about the economy under President Biden. Uh, Confusing experts, according to a new report. Things are getting better and people uh, people think things are getting worse. And that's the most dangerous piece of this. Democratic pollster Celinda Lake told Associated Press. Lake also said that voters want prices to fall, not just inflation. Honestly, I'm kind of mystified by it. And so when I saw this, and this is this is from Fox. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading this and I say to myself, and then they have... Chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, Jared Bernstein, said that he is confident voters will be convinced of the strength of Biden's economy over time. Are they just, are they plain stupid? Not plain, plain stupid here to sit there and to be shocked. And Fox to have this, you know, voters are feeling horrible about Biden's economy, confusing some political experts. no. Voters are feeling horrible about the Biden economy, uh, and that shouldn't be happening, says says the administration, people in the administration, and Democratic activists, not political experts. Anybody who's confused by it is either, one, Joe Biden having one of his moments, or number two, a moron. Yeah. <laughs> Those are your choices. Mm-hmm. There's nothing hard about the massive impact, the weight, the huge burden of higher prices. <laughs> Bidenomics. I know they're not using it. We are. They can say they're not going to use it anymore. They started it. Well, they didn't say they weren't going to use it. They uh-huh. just stopped using it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know the memo went out. <laughs> Don't say Bidenomics. Don't say Bidenomics. But what if I say Bidenomics? You're fired. Get out. And they should have listened to us because the day one where they came out with Bidenomics, when you heard it, this is Bidenomics, we said, mm-hmm. 
what are you nuts? Mm-hmm. You don't personalize high prices. Uh-huh. And that's what you've that's what you did. You personalized higher prices. <laughs> that will I mean, that how, will go how, down in that will go down when you and I are when you're like 120 and I'm 70 and you call me and we're ret- <laughs> I'm not good at mathing. Wow. I'm a half century older than you. Something like that. I don't know. And you call me and go, remember Bidenomics? And then I'm going to respond by going, who are you? Oh, (laughs) Oh, you're that guy. But we said it day one. Uh We said, how stupid can you be? And they keep promoting it and keep saying, well, we just don't understand the disconnect. Mm -hmm. Well, you're either, you are either a complete idiot or you're plain stupid. Well, I don't even know what's worse. Being stupid or pretending you're stupid. Going out of your way to look stupid. Now, I'll tell you, coming up on 33 years of marriage, there are times when it's a probably a good idea to play stupid. I don't know what happened to that massive bag of peanut M&M's. I didn't see them. You know, play stupid. Or as most people call it, lying. This is this is the, the reality of today. Confusing some political experts. Line them up and name them. Yeah, when you name them, they're Democrats in the administration yeah. and Democrat activists. I, well, well, if- I don't get it. I, I just don't. I don't get it. I'm confused. Well, let me see. Um, okay. Higher prices. My groceries what? that I used to buy were $50, and now they're $75. I mean, you know. I don't know why people would be upset about that. Cheerios are $19 I, a box. I I would say you, you probably stock up on them. They're, they're clearly worth a lot of money. I have no idea. I'm not able to, uh, all these people are not able to keep up and they're working and the prices are high and I must be extremely stupid because I can't figure out why people are saying, well, just having a job isn't enough. In fact, having a job and not being able to afford groceries because they keep going up. I don't know why people would be upset about that. I don't know how people would view that as a negative in the economy. Prices don't. And this is a warning we've given to uh, Republicans. Understand that it's now about prices. And Mm -hmm. we even put the warning out to Trump, who would come out and said, well, I'll put a 10% tariff across the board on everything that's imported into the United States. Oh, so with the inflation we've seen, the first thing you would do is raise prices 10%? Talk about being tone deaf. And crush domestic manufacturing because of the retaliation from our trade partners? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, <laughs> I have to ask, the, is everybody just stupid? I used to think they were all smoking weed. I don't think you can grow that much weed. prices and that was the amazing thing when trump said that about a month and a half ago or two months ago i'd put 10 percent tariffs 
excuse me, the Democrats are getting killed on prices. You just communicated, I'm going to raise them even more if I become president. As a campaign promise. As a campaign promise, yes. It's just like, what? And the people that support you right now might agree with it. They're not going to agree when they get hit with that price increase across the board. Right. On top of everything, as the first thing you do if you become president in January of 2025. Well, okay, let's increase prices 10% across the board. If, If the Democrats are playing stupid... Why can't I play stupid? You know why in, uh, what was it, um, Demolition Man, the movie with yeah. Sylvester Stallone? Oh, sure. You know why the last fine restaurant standing was Taco Bell? It's the cheapest. <laughs> By comparison, it's cheapest. But we're at the point where it's going to be 40 50 bucks a plate. You want a soft taco, bean burrito, and a soda, huh? You're going to get all three, are you? Ooh, big spender. That's where we are. And I feel like Dennis Leary in that movie. By the way, one of the most underrated roles, yes. I think, in even you know within that movie, but I would say of all time, he's just you know the guy running the underground. You know, here's the problem. You can't buy groceries on Facebook Marketplace. Trust me, I've tried. The shrimp is horrible. <laughs> Don't do it. You know, there's no way there's no way to go around this massive massive stupidity when they crush the private sector and create this massive inflation and it's it's going to go on for quite some time. I saw more analysis yesterday. Oh no, no, no. They're going to they're going to start lowering rates. They're going to start lowering rates. Well, I was right. I was right about the Fed. I was right about Jerome Powell. Because if they start lowering rates, and now everybody's saying, March, 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 it's going to start in March. They start doing that and try and wrap up spending somehow next year. I don't know how they get spending done with the, you know, with the makeup right now on Capitol Hill in 24. But if they're not going to get serious about inflation and they're going to start lowering interest rates, because they think that this is the soft landing. Well, it's not the soft landing when prices are still going up, when there's been no relief for American families. It's not time to lower interest rates. But, of course, again, if you're not serious about what's going on with inflation, then, of course, you're going to do it because, well, November 5th. I mean, I just I, I, I look at this, uh, uh, you know, uh, across the board and and. uh and you look at it and you're like, why can't they see what's happening? Why can't they see? Well, of course people are employed because the labor the labor force is completely different. Mm-hmm. We don't have masses of people coming in to the labor market. We have a huge disconnect on jobs that exist uh, uh, out there to to begin with. So people that wish to be employed can be employed. We don't have a baby boom. We don't have women coming into the workforce like they did for 70 years at post-World War II. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all been all that in, in order in order to look at it. And and I don't I would guess that the um, if you took the uh, uh, GDP growth over the last 70 years, it probably would be between two point five and three percent in order to do that and fulfill the labor requirements you needed 
an unbelievable baby boom post-World War II Mm -hmm. and women coming into the workforce post-World War II. You needed that labor force to fill it. You don't have that anymore. And so, of course, people are going to have jobs, but prices are skyrocketing. To sit there and not acknowledge that prices skyrocketing is the problem that you have and spending is causing it and the refusal. Now, I understand Democrats' refusal to acknowledge it is because they don't want to cut spending. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to cut spending, inflation is just going to get worse. If you're going to continue to borrow like we're going to borrow, you're never going to get it under control. And and so and and that's why uh you know Republicans have to pound on it. And if Republicans make the same mistake, if Trump gets elected and makes the same mistake that prices don't matter, you know, I don't know what to say. You know, if then then you've got both sides saying, Well, okay, uh, why are people getting upset? Uh, my plan was, and I was very clear on it because Trump was very clear on it a month and a half ago. I'm going to raise price. You and I talked about it. I didn't see any other conservative media talk about that at all. None. No. None. And hopefully it's one of those ideas that he floats and then backs away from. Backs away from, yeah. Which he's done. They were still talking before. about single payer health care in 2015. So. It was early 2015, but he was talking about well, it. It all depends what Trump you get. Whether you get the the the, the Trump that actually paid attention to uh, to Cudlow and and I was going to say and, I hope he gets the Cudlow. Yeah, and and, and, and Steve and Steve Moore mm-hmm. when they became his advisors and stopped listening to people like Navarro, and and so they really didn't change NAFTA that much. Very slight change if they wish to brag and say we completely overhauled it. Fine. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Brag, say whatever you want. But the fact is they didn't, which was good. I was happy that they didn't. And I was happy that Trump backed off. But when you see him promoting as he did, I mean, that was to be tone deaf, to be sit there and say, okay, 10% tariff on every product that comes in to the United States from every country. I don't believe he would do that. But the fact that he's promoting it, Shows the fact that he's not even thinking prices are the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't float that as a campaign promise. Yeah. And expect it to be effective. And so Look, there's you, something going on in the Midwest right now with Nikki Haley. And there's a concern. And I said it a couple of weeks ago. Are we going to get Mitt Romney again? As you know, is the GOP going to get Mitt Romney again? And sure enough, over this past weekend, Mitt Romney. Well, Nikki Haley's the one that can win. There you have it, straight out of the AI bot, Mitt Romney. There's his endorsement. And the problem with that is, is that I don't believe she's conservative. But there's a reason that independents are right now gravitating toward her. And I've been asking the question in the Midwest, is the farming community afraid of more tariffs? Because Trump in a second term, if he wins in 24, he's never running for office again. And he's a guy who campaigns anyway, but he's never going to have to worry about winning or losing an election after November 5th or April, whenever they decide I, I think, the I think it goes back, Nikki Haley, to what we've always said, tone. I don't well, think it's I don't think it's issues. 
for the support for Nikki Haley. I believe it's well, tone. I, I have to believe that some of those farmers have to be greatly concerned that they're going to be in that same well, then why, disruption of trade routes. Well, then why wouldn't you support DeSantis? I can't tell you. I, I, don't think, know. It, I think it's tone. Well, it could be, but I mean, on the issues, that is their issue. Oh, I know. The trade route discussion, and that's my point. The trade route disruption that they had last time was almost a death knell for many of those farming families. And they are the bottom, just like oil in Texas, they are the industry in the Midwest. And is, is you know, Trump may be leading in Iowa and other states, but here's the question. And the general, when you look at that, up against Biden, where do those independents, where do those farming families stand right now? Are they afraid of tariffs, especially when he's promoting 10% across the board again? 86690-RED-EYE. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Electrical systems are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Know the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention to help avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Keep an eye out for lights that are dim, as this is an early warning sign that your alternator is degrading and near the end of its life cycle. Lights that are brighter than normal, on the other hand, can indicate your alternator is overcharging. You should immediately get a full electrical system check if you notice either of these warning signs. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Iowa 80. 
It's Running Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. You know, we talk about uh, prices here, the Wall Street, and this was all over the place here the last couple of days, the Wall Street Journal uh, analysis on uh, on home buying, that the uh, average monthly new home payment when Biden took office was $1,787. Today, $3,300. Yeah. Almost double, almost a 100% increase in the average cost of owning a home today. Right. And that's unbelievable when you think about it. So when they talk about the fact of, well, okay, that uh, when you you look at it, you know, food prices up this, we'll think about this. To own a home, you would need almost double the payment, the ability to pay double in order to own the same home pre-Biden. Yeah. And these experts are out there saying, we don't know what the problem is. Everybody has a job. We can't figure out what it is. Right. Prices, you idiots. I mean, cause I, I don't, we're confused. I don't, I don't like to name call, but it's like, come on. This is, this is elementary school. This isn't rocket science. Yeah. You got to pay more. That's not good. You got to pay a lot more for the same thing. It's not good. Yeah, um, uh, the Wall Street Journal article, uh, the math for buying a home no longer works. These charts show you why. And they break it down in, you know, the subtext basically of how the Fed uh, made it right now impossible to buy a home. I mean, it's they say it's just a horrible decision to buy a home. And unless, again, you fit that category of individuals, usually it's older adults, 58 and older, that have cash on hand. Younger people, right now it's impossible. You can't afford it. Giving you 70% each night. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. I just want, I want to play this uh, audio cut since we're just talking about uh, prices and that article in Fox News saying mm. the experts are stumped. <laughs> they don't understand yeah. what's going on because we have such a wonderful uh, economy here. And um, we've said prices prices and then yeah. you read into the article and the thing thing was amazing about it was that was a that was a fox article hmm. and it was it's you know experts no democrat activists yeah democrat activists are not economic experts right if you're an expert you're not confused at all right any expert says prices right going up yeah. bad uh i want to play this from uh, keith mccullough uh, uh, economist who uh, who said now I disagree with some of the things that he said because he was saying that that uh, that uh, 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 this is not 2008 what we may be dealing with uh, uh, you know next year he when he said you know 2008 was about Wall Street leverage bad behavior frauds uh, uh, and he says this one is far more dangerous this one is about Main Street the one thing he forgot to talk about is 2008 the Wall Street leverage would have never happened without government manipulation of the mortgage yep. market. They wouldn't have gotten away with what they right. what you're saying they got away with. None of that would have happened without Fannie and Freddie in the equation. None of it would have happened, no. We would not have had the situation that we had in 2008 
if it wasn't for government manipulation. If it wasn't for government policy, 2008 would not have happened. Right. If it wasn't for government policy across the board here, this wouldn't be happening. Right. It's all about bad government policy. It's all about government believing that they can manipulate markets. Right. Yep. Or that they can spend money in this particular case, what we're seeing now, and create debt, and there's no consequences whatsoever. But I want to play this here because it's uh, interesting when he talks about he he mirrors some of the things that we have uh, talked about. Let me see if I have it here. here I don't know if I've said this enough times, but this is not 2008, not even remotely close. 2008 was a story about Wall Street leverage, bad behavior, frauds on Wall Street with leverage upon leverage. Okay, this one is far more dangerous. This one is about Main Street. It's about 50 going on 60 to 70% of Americans not having any money left and needing government handouts increasingly to offset that pressure. Needing more credit cards, more leverage. To pay 22% on a credit card, think about where you must be financially. Right? You need BNPL. You need whatever you need. This is far more dangerous for far more people. This is a Main Street recession that we're just entering. There you go. Yeah. And and we we talked about it. And the, the, the problem is, and you have to be an idiot not to see it, is it doesn't matter whether you're working. Right. You can't afford it. Right. Well, and that's that's part of the big thing that's such an insult when these elitists, uh, you know, throw out these, you know, um, well, it's, you know, not that bad. The economy's doing great. People just don't see it in the face of people who are working hard and still underwater. It's an insult. You're coming home at the end of the day, and there's really no reward because you're still underwater and you're sinking. There's no way to get on top of it once you max out your credit cards. At that point, it's going to be a very hard fall for a lot of people. And then the problem, as he mentioned, then people need a bailout from the government. Right, yeah. So they want a bailout from the government, which the government can only give you that bailout by borrowing the money. Exactly. Which then increases the amount of inflation, yep. which means your prices are higher. Yep. And now you're in this death spiral. Right. right. Financial death spiral and no, that you and can't still, get out of. Still, no one is talking about cutting spending. Nope. You know, it's it's, as you just mentioned, it's quite the opposite. Well, they're waiting for another government handout. Because they're drowning. They're waiting for anybody to get them above water. That's where the American people are. That's where the consumer is. And that's why we, we had, had stated when, when the whole uh, eight, you know, <laughs> Matt Gates and the eight mm-hmm. uh, came out and said, well, no, we need to shut the government down and cut spending now. We said the public's not with you because the public is the public is looking at three or four months from now and saying, I'm going to be in really, really bad shape. I need the government to help me. And you're saying, let's shut down the government and spend less. And the Democrats are saying, no, 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 we're just going to give you as much money as possible. And people are, they understand that inflate, what what causes inflation, but they're drowning now. Right. And if you're drowning now, you don't care about two weeks from now. You're drowning right now. Right. Moneyball, get on base. The GOP Mm -hmm. just needs to worry about getting on base, get on base. Make this about 24s. You said from the beginning after 2018, or my gosh, 2020, 
Um, you, you look at, at, at where we are and then 2022 at the midterm, the same thing. This has to be about 24. Everything well, has, because until you get the White House back, until you get the Senate back, until you get a larger margin in the House, which now you've narrowed your margin, you're not going to get anywhere. You have to worry about getting on base first. Don't, don't go out there saying if we don't hit a home run in the first inning, we're doomed. But even if you get what you want in 2024 and you can, if you start cutting and people are still hurting, you can be booted out of office. Yep. Sure. That's the, that's the situation. If you go do the right thing, you may have to pay a penalty for that because the right thing is not long term for the majority of Americans. The right thing because people are, you know, worried about their own self-interest is I'm drowning now, bail me out now. And if Republicans aren't talking about, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, people have to learn to live way beneath their means now. This is, if you're in survival mode, it means living way beneath your means. Yeah. That's the reality of government is not going to solve this problem for you. You've got to solve it on your own. Yep. That's just the reality of it. Right. But if the American people look at the government, this goes back to the, remember the, in 2012, the Kevin and Ken vote. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Kevin and Ken vote, the people that, you know, really have, you know, uh, have not relied on government, but always look at it. And I, I knew two guys named Kevin and Ken, and mm-hmm. this was their philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if things go bad, Democrats yep. will bail us out and Republicans won't. Right. Right. And even though they were economically more conservative, they were still at that point looking for a bailout. And things weren't even close to where they are right now. No. Now, they did remember 2008. And by that time, it was 2012. Well, it was 2008 that really set all that tone. Yeah. You know, it was it was going through 2009. We had a colleague that told us, oh, this will be over in a year. We were like, no, no it's not. No, it won't be. And the scars of 2008 and the whole housing fallout still remain far too many people by the way get it wrong because they don't include what exactly what we said earlier fanny and freddie yeah government manipulation of the markets take fanny and freddie out of the equation none of those lenders would have felt safe they would have had to do exactly what you're supposed to do in an organic lending situation with lend- lender and borrower well if if fanny and freddie didn't exist people would have lived in smaller homes Exactly. That's simple. You buy what you can afford. And if you can't afford a home right now, then you keep saving until you can. Well, what could the average American consumer, you know, once we got out of World War II and in the 50s, what was the middle class living in? A thousand square foot home. The first house my parents bought in San Antonio was, it was small. And I mean, as a kid, it felt, it felt, you know, it's fine to me. It was small. They paid 16500 for it. Uh, that was, I think, about a year and a half after my dad came home. And I went back, and my brother took a picture of it. It's tiny. But you know what? It's what they could afford. And then we moved to uh, Del Rio. We lived on base for a while. They bought another house when interest rates were wild. The Interest rates were skyrocketing. They jumped twice while they were waiting to uh, close on that home. And then dad was able to refinance later. But you, the fact of the matter is, 
Right now, you can't. You, Wall Street Journal laid it out there. No, the, the, the home buying idea right now is broken. That model is broken because of where we are with interest rates. But I'm going to add to it because we're not fixing the problem on inflation. If there is any talk, if there's anything to this talk of the Fed coming in and lowering interest rates and the calling for more government handouts keeps growing and politically, even some in the GOP have to say, well, we need to help families. We need to help families. Then it's over. If we don't make the choice soon, it will be over and the crash, forget about a soft landing. You won't be inside the aircraft. You'll hit the ground on your own. And no one will be there for you. We're at a crossroads on so many levels right now. If we don't get it together, then the crash happens and it doesn't matter what you say because that's the way economics works. To pretend we can walk through this world on the backs of people who haven't been born yet and won't be born for generations over and over again with no price to pay on it is absurd. And ignore the problem as if it doesn't exist. Exactly. And that's what we do. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that the Democrats are okay with the GOP winning in 24. Let them clean up Biden's mess. We don't want it. Well, I, I believe they look at it and say it can't be cleaned up. That's what I mean. Because the American yeah. public is... We can't do when, anything about if, it. If, if, you, if you need it right now, you want it right now, which means you borrow more money and you get yourself in that you know perpetual financial death spiral where you just can't you can never get above you can never get above water and and inflation returns and you know i mean you're just not it's just not going to it's not ever going to get to a point unless we have an honest discussion about it and nobody wants to sit down and talk about it nobody wants to think about it and uh, 34 over 34 years ago when i got in to this this was the number one topic Mm -hmm. that we can't be going down this and it's just people may i mean over the years i mean republicans conservatives Mm -hmm. a year ago we had conservatives calling us you guys are making that people that call themselves conservative you guys are making way too much about this the debt isn't bad the debt is sustainable and everything else and now we see where we are right now i think you're going to start here okay a year and a half ago before Mm -hmm. inflation really hit i think you're going to start hearing after the first i think you're going to start hearing the democrats start promoting some kind of relief for families. I think they're going to do that in 24. I think they're going to promote yeah. it. I don't know how far they're going to get, but I think they're going to start well, talking and, about and it. And the other problem is the interest on the debt now, uh, I don't know what it was from November to November, but October, I don't know if that number's out yet, but from October to October, end of October, it was a trillion dollars in interest. Right. Well, that's cutting right into you're cutting. Yep. We're cutting. You're going to have to cut already, right. even if the budget stays the same or goes up a little bit. Right. Remember, inflation's got to go up. If you if you increase the budget three or four percent every year or five percent, right. you're still not keeping up with inflation and the interest on the debt because of the Fed having to charge a lot more now mm-hmm. or the Fed interest rate up yep. is just is strangling you. You're right. cutting when you're not even cutting. Right. Yeah, because you're forced to. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Here's a headline. President Biden just pledged to shut down 60% of America's electric power. Yeah. I mean, it's just insanity. And uh, this is at uh, the uh, uh, the Global Warming Summit last week, where the host country said, nah, we're not getting rid of fossil fuels. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, pretty much all we got. We're not going to do that. As the United States said, well, we're going to shut it down. We're going to shut it down completely. I mean, this is the insanity that we're dealing with. And we'll go get through some of the specifics on it. Plus, the Supreme Court uh, to uh, uh, to uh, look at uh, whether uh, Trump has immunity or not, or whether they're even going to whether they're going to allow uh, the prosecutor Jack Smith to uh, to uh, uh, jump through the jump over the appeals court mm. and go right to the Supreme Court because he wants this trial during the campaign. Right. Uh, Jonathan Turley had a couple of comments on that, so mm. we'll get to uh, uh, that also uh, coming up. What else we got here? Yeah. Oh, mm. Newsom humiliated by disastrous budget report one week after bragging about California's economy. As we covered that on yesterday's show, the sixty-eight plus uh, the sixty-eight billion dollar deficit coming up. Yeah, and Al Gore global mental health crisis due to young people worried about climate change. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Still at it after all these years. I know, I know. After his big lie. Yeah, they admitted to them. Oh, I was lying. Yeah, about ethanol. That's okay. We'll let you get away with the lie. Just keep telling other lies. As long as you do that, we're okay with you. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. 
all across America and around the world. We are Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Interesting thing uh, coming uh, out uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Smith, special prosecutor going after Trump uh, for the election interference case that's supposed to begin in uh, in March, wanted to bypass the appeals court. Uh, Trump uh, basically sued, saying that um, uh, I wasn't removed from office right? for this. No, There was no conviction that I was guilty of anything, so they right. didn't remove me from office. Right. So there's no, there are no criminal charges here. I, I believe I have immunity right. uh, uh, from it. And so this has gone to the appeals court, and it's in the appeals court. We're just put into the appeals court. Mm. And now Jack Smith wants to leapfrog and go to the Supreme Court because he wants to have a trial going on during the campaign. Right. He wants them to decide whether or not Trump has immunity or not. Right. And so um, it's interesting. I was uh, uh, listening to Jonathan Turley yesterday, and he was saying, and eh, the Supreme Court, you know, in all likelihood, it doesn't have the the uh, the same mindset as as Smith. And he's saying, you know, the reason Smith probably wants it is because if he doesn't get it, Trump could preemptively pardon himself when he becomes president. Right. Right. And therefore, it wouldn't go. It wouldn't go anywhere. Now, Turley is somebody who believes you can pardon yourself hmm. because it doesn't say you can't in the Constitution. Right. And so that would be that would really be interesting because that would be another, that would be another <laughs> Supreme Court thing. Well, remember, that, he's only going to be dictator on day one. Yeah. <laughs> he comes. Out, you know that he died, pardons himself. <laughs> that that did die pretty quick. I mean, I'm, I'm still. I, I think they'll still use it again, but that. That uh, seemed to die pretty quick when it was like, okay, if you actually watched it, it was a joke when he said it. Yeah, he uh, he's also going to pardon James Biden, but only James Biden. <laughs> no one else in the Biden family. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so you were saying that, uh, that Turley, you know, making the point that the Supreme Court may not be thinking the same as probably isn't. Well, as you said, that, 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 that Smith is in yeah. terms of, you know, the whole timeline here, because they think in terms of the process. Hey, right. And, and the process is, as Turley said, he goes, they like to hear sometimes from a couple of different appeals courts and mm. what their, you know, and what their decision on, uh, you know, what their decision is right. on it. Just because they accepted it quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, they want Trump to respond before Christmas, but they don't meet to do stuff like this until, I think, January 4th. Mm. So they might want to make a quick decision on it, but the decision may not be what Smith wants to hear. Right. And that will be that will be interesting. And, and as you have a lot of constitutional experts talk about it, they go, who knows where this will go because this is really sort of unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. You don't have really precedent, you know, to – to dictate, you know, what, you know, what road it's going to go down. But if it goes to the appeals court and then it's appealed again, another appeals court may look at it, but he said they, they always like the Supreme court to, to hear what the appeals court has to say about it. Mm-hmm. And, and so that would in all essence, if the appeals court and remember if the Supreme court says they will hear it, well, that doesn't mean that, they will hear it on January 4th and make a decision right. based on what Trump says at that particular point. Mm-hmm. It would still have to go through the process, the official process of everybody, you know, uh, you know, 
doing their entire defense uh, mm-hmm. of it. This will really be a thing of whether uh, of whether it should be fast tracked or not. Right. right. That that's a decision. If it's right. not fast tracked and they bypass the you know the appeals court, they would still have to go through the process of the Supreme Court, which might not have it done by March, even if right. it's just the Supreme Court. Right. No one knows at this point, mm-hmm. but that will be uh, that will be interesting. And of course, it's about politics with Smith. Right. So sure, we all know it is. It's about politics one way or another. But well, and I wondered, okay, is this a a hail mary? You know, we're uh, believing. Look, we're going to get to SCOTUS eventually. Let's get the answer now. And if SCOTUS mm-hmm. comes out and says, you know, and they go through the process, and then Sometime between now and, I mean, it could be a June decision, I guess. I don't know. Depends on if they decide to fast track it. But let's say they do. No, this isn't in the normal process of cases being heard. Right. But so I th- mean, this it, isn't this isn't one where you get the answer in June. If they looked at it, they could possibly say, okay, we want you to, we want. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm doing yeah. that as, as, as the, right. you know, the, the best case or worst case scenario, just a, a generic scenario okay. where between sometime now and convention time, there's a decision, you know, and, and as you think about the political uh, effect of it. Well, if that is the case and they come out and says and, and they say he's got immunity. Smith knows they're going to it. Eventually, it's going to get to the Supreme Court. So this is the Hail Mary. That's the only that's the only reason you do this. Yeah, because I would I would suspect that this is something that is so unusual with no real precedent that the Supreme court would want to hear what the appeals courts, they would want to see it go through the process. I, that's my, that's my gut. I would, I would think so because then, you know, I mean, my question would be if not, typically they do, that's what they want. Well, let it go through the process. And then when it gets to us, then, you know, uh, we don't see a need to fast track it just because you want to fast track it because either party wants to fast track it. Um, well, as somebody pointed out, uh, n- uh, nowhere in uh, their brief does it say why they wish to fast track it. Right. Which the Supreme Court will want to know what's the reason for fast tracking it. Right. What is your reason? Right. Because if your reason is you don't want him to get away with, you know, winning the election and then pardoning himself. Well, that's only in your interest because you don't want him because and and because it doesn't have any that doesn't have anything to do whether or not he's guilty. If he's if he has not had due process, if the court says if the high court says, look, we want this to go through the 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 natural process so that he can have his due process and all arguments can be heard. Well, and yeah, in addition to this is something that we've never dealt with before. We want this to go through the full process because there really isn't any precedent here on this. And we want to hear with the appeals court. We want to see, you know, what the appeals court has to say on this. Because if you it know, had, it, if it was a case about, I don't know, a technicality that had to do with elections, right, or something like that. And it was like, okay, we need this decided because it has an impact on, there could be a, 
you know, this could have some kind of negative impact on this election or something like that, that might be different. But really, the only reason Jack Smith has it is for his own political uh, beliefs here, his own political interests. And I don't know that that, you know, is for me, that's not good enough reason. Well, I don't think legally it would resonate with the majority of the Supreme Court. Right. Who would say, well, your thing, you know, you know, because they would, I think one of the things I'll ask is, why do you wish to fast track it? Right. What will the answer be? Yeah. What is the, what is the emergency here? Right. And, and if it, it's, if it's only because you're concerned about him, what he might do if he wins the election in November, that doesn't really meet our, you know, our standards here for fast tracking. There is no urgent or, situation. Be, it's only your urgent political need. Because I don't know what he's going to claim is the reason. If Smith claims the reason is, well, because if Trump wins, he could pardon himself. They would sit there and say, yeah, but if you lose the case and you start it in March and he is found not to have done anything, we, by doing that, have affected the, we, you know, we we don't want to ever be accused of election interference. Mm-hmm. And right, we, right. by making that statement of not letting it go through the normal process, you know, we don't want it. We don't want the Supreme court to be a part of that. Because even with the, you know, the concern that Jack Smith has, if, if that is, you know, what he states or what he cites as a reason of Trump pardoning himself. Well, that's only Jack Smith's personal. That's a one-sided political interest which means you're asking the court to interfere in order to give you favor in that interest right but i don't but that's that's not the way the court works but but smith would be saying that based on the fact that he believes trump will be found guilty the supreme Mm -hmm. court can come back and say well what if he's not found guilty Mm -hmm. well then you've just gone through a process that we fast-tracked and that and and you know, the, the rhetoric could be damaging and we would be involved at that point in election interference. And if, if and they we decided, and we don't wish to be a part of that. If they, decided, if they decided in favor of Trump and said, no, he has immunity. Well, then the other side will be screaming, well, see, they interfered with, with the election. They handed him a win. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. So either way, the Supreme Court might look at that, or at least many of those justices might look at that and say, you're asking us to, to make a decision based on the political effect of all of this when he has not, right now, had the, the entire due process play out. Yeah, because, and, and as you've said, I was not removed from office. Right. So I wasn't removed from office, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for this. Uh, and they had the ability to do that. Right. And so I'm not removed from office, which impeachment is about if you commit a crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now there's so I have immunity from this because the political process already found me uh, again, not guilty. Right. Because I was not removed from office. Right. And so now he's coming back because he's dissatisfied with that to do this, and I can just see the Supreme Court going, we're not going to get involved in this. Go through the normal process. Right. Yeah. It's not up for us to be, you know, judge and jury of this. We don't wish to be judge and jury of it. Mm -hmm. 
uh, unless the appeal, you know, unless it goes through the appeals court and the immunity question comes up to us. Right. Right. But you're saying that, you know, and, and that's where that's where if and that's what I was led to believe yesterday is Jack Smith hasn't said why he wants to fast track it. Mm-hmm. Well, if he says, well, we, because we believe he's guilty and we don't want him to win the election, the Supreme Court will say, well, we don't want nothing to do with it. Or, well, uh, if we wait till afterwards, he might be found guilty and or he would pardon himself before that. Right. And they would say, well, that that at that point we would decide at that particular point. But what if you try him and you go after him and he is found not guilty? Mm-hmm. Well, then we fast track this thing and and uh, have possibly damaged a presidential candidate by allowing you to, you know, leapfrog over the appeals court. Right. I don't know. I, I this It's all guess because I who's who's dealt with this before. Yeah. I, I but I, I really believe that the the high court is going to be very careful on this because whatever comes down from them will be during the election year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can there's, see, there's I, no, I would, there's no way around that. My, my gut tells me they they're going to say I could be completely wrong, but my gut mm-hmm. just says they're going to go. Why would we jump on this? Go through right. the normal process right. of it. What's the emergency? Yeah, we don't, you know, we're not going to Your get... political interest, you know, versus ours. his political interest, that doesn't apply to us here. Right. Because either way it goes, if we decide in favor of Trump, then you could be screaming, see, they made the wrong decision during an election year. Jack Smith himself. Right. Well, nope. We let the process play out. I, but who knows? 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Managing time is key. Successful owner-operators know that simply running hard is not enough. If it were that easy, anyone could do the job and expect the profits to roll in. It generally pays to slow down. There is a trade-off in higher costs, not to mention the increased risk for driving fast. If driving slower takes time away from you, you could find some of the ways to get it back. Never take time off during the last two weeks of the quarter or the last week of the month when freight typically is abundant. Sometimes it works to your advantage to look for loads that take you through home rather than to home. The latter can interrupt your revenue stream and require additional time to get back up to full speed again. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So that will be really interesting to see where that uh, goes with uh, with uh, Jack Smith. Interesting that uh, the Supreme Court responded very quickly mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, it will be next year. Will be very very interesting. This is why I'm so anxious uh, to you know see where things start shaping up. Uh, into Iowa, then past Iowa, once you start getting into the South and, and everything else in the primary for the GOP. But things like this, too, the cases for Trump are going to be big, and we could see some, we will see some big moves in those cases. Um, the one in New York, I just don't know how that doesn't go to appeal. I don't know how Trump doesn't win an appeal, but I don't you know mean, how long it you takes. Mean this case, not not the not the other case the new york case right there's two new york cases yes the yes i'm sorry the new york case for uh the whole i don't know business fraud from the ag from the state ag i don't know how he doesn't win that in appeal but i don't know how long it would take to get to appeal he might be president again before yeah that's for a, a while before that's a civil that's a civil charge though right Right, you know the and that's a difference. The uh, the one with the uh, local attorney, uh, the local uh, uh, oh, not attorney general, but a prosecutor. That that is the one that is they have concocted the that insane. Uh, that might not even make it. To, that might not even make it to trial. Uh, the one uh, that the uh, oh the one New York City uh, DA is going after him for. You don't remember it. You talking about the one where the judge found him guilty to begin with? No, that's the okay, one. That's, that's the one I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. And he can appeal that one. I just don't know how how long it will take appeal uh, to happen because he may be president long before. Right. But that's a civil case. That's not going to that's not going to affect the same way as a criminal case. I understand that. Right. But the, I'm, the, I'm just the, talking right. about politically where it's going to go in 24 with all of his cases. And the impact of those. And it may be that the Supreme Court shuts it down. Or this thing goes on and all of a sudden, November 5th, he wins. Look, if this is, if, you know, the assessment here in the last, what, couple of weeks? More and more has been, he's going to get the nomination because of the indictments. Oh, yeah. It's everything getting him there. It's it's the indictment, stupid. I forgot who wrote that article mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. and that's the reason. And that's, so that's, that's my point. It's right. going to be it is going to be very interesting to watch all those cases play out. The one with you know basically trying to banish him from New York, 
from the state AG. There's no way he doesn't win that and appeal. But I don't know how far that or how long that would take. But here's the thing. Politically, you don't even have to win it in appeal because everybody's looking at it. I don't know anybody that's making the case aside from the judge and the state attorney general, actually. No one is saying that, oh, no, he should be banished from New York. I don't see anybody else saying that. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. If you would uh, like to uh, get in, I'm talking about the um, uh, the hush money case. That's the New York State court case. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the one accusing Trump of falsifying business records in connection with the payoff uh, to Stormy Daniels. That's the one I was talking about. When, right. And uh, I was yeah, talking which, about which, the other case right, where ex- the judge has already exactly. made a decision. Right. And where they there's no doubt they win an appeal, but they likely won't get to the appeals court uh, or at least a decision from the appeals court uh, some anytime in 2024. And And really, the point is, or my point is the political effect of all of it because he doesn't need to win. Look, I'm convinced if, you know, if on that case, let's say they get to a conclusion in that case uh, from the, the uh, charges from the uh, state attorney general and found guilty, man, you've just catapulted his support. If indictments are carrying him to nomination, Imagine what being found guilty will, and, and the punishment will come from the courts. And that judge has already said, "Well, I don't know what we'll do," but it looks like they're basically going to try and force him out of business in the entire state. My gosh, if you want to hand somebody a political win, there's one way to do it, and that's going to be the most one of the most interesting things is to watch. All of these cases play out because they're carrying Trump. Now, this is where the left, remember what the left believed. The indictments will get him the nomination, but he'll lose against Biden. That's not the case anymore. More and more polls are showing that he may not lose against Biden. And imagine that the indictments get him there and he wins. The left is going to be furious. That's going to be, to me, that's, there. we've never been in this situation before. Right. It is fascinating. And, and the case we're looking at now is the federal elections interference case. Mm-hmm. That's one that, that Smith's looking at. He's got mm-hmm. the two. He's got this right. and the, the, the case of the, uh, the uh, classified mm-hmm. uh, documents. documents. Right. Yeah, I, I've always looked at the classified documents as the one that Trump is in uh, most peril of. Mm-hmm of something happening there, whatever that would uh, would be. I think the federal election interference case is weak. 
based yeah. on the evidence that I right. that, that exists so far. Right. I don't know what the I don't know what the crime is. Right. You know the the left screen's insurrection. There was no yeah. insurrection. And even uh, with there. the documents case, well, the documents case became more complicated when you had his, I don't know, personal security guy, uh, maintenance guy, whoever the guy was, um, you know, uh, manipulate uh, security cameras or whatever he's charged with doing. But then, of course, the the um, the idea of showing documents to somebody who doesn't have clearance, showing the documents to somebody in the media. Now, on that level, well, now you've got to prove that those were the do- those were documents and he wasn't lying to that person that he pretended to show them to. Right. And we said from the beginning, okay, there's going to be the burden of proof. But then if you have manipulation of, you know, of documents, get rid of these documents or whatever uh, beyond that, and you can prove that, it's not going to look good at all. That doesn't look good at all. So that complicates things even further. And we'll see where that goes. Look, they didn't treat, they clearly didn't treat this the same as, anybody remember the uh, Biden documents case? Anybody remember how all of that was playing out? And the fact that they were found in multiple locations? All of this, you know, is is where you do see the shaping of the political you know, landscape, the two-tier justice well, yeah, system that's, and, that's, yeah, and that's, everything else. Yeah. You know, I, I joked, I think it was last week. <laughs> I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, if Trump himself made the call to authorities, an anonymous tip. Hey, there's some documents there at Mar-a-Lago. Why don't you guys raid the place? Um, and I joked about that based on the fact that everything is, again, catapulting him into nomination. And that was by design from the left. Everybody knows it because they want him to be the nominee, assuming at that time he would lose to Biden. And now you can't make that assumption. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this thing plays out. I mean, I we remember we were here the night of election night 2016 and the days leading up to that cancellation of Hillary's fireworks display, the celebration there in New York City. And then reporters that were at her headquarters in New York, campaign headquarters in New York, had talked about how she was angry, as angry as could be. And then she basically admitted it. She didn't concede that night and everything else. There's no telling how furious the left would be that these indictments got Trump to nomination but also, based on the whole two-tier justice system thing, also gets him the win in the general election. My God! Yeah, and understand the Supreme Court would simply say that the president doesn't have immunity from charges. That does not mean that they have said he is guilty of those charges. Right. It's simply that the court case can continue. Right. And there's really some, just some interesting things. And I don't know what... It's tough because I don't know what all the arguments are yet from both sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's tough to make an analysis on it when you don't know that at this point. Right. But the uh, the Bragg case, I look at just being ripe to be thrown out. Uh, that's the uh, the uh, um, 
the the business fraud with uh, whatever with Stormy Daniels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had a reach there and try to combine two laws, you know, a state law and a federal law together, which was just absurd. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's uh, you know what's what's going on right now? This civil fraud trial that I look at uh, from uh, James in the state of New York, I look at just the most bizarre case that is ripe for appeal and overturn on appeal in so many in so many cases I th- because because the the precedent that would be set by this not just for a politician but by anybody who is involved in any type of appraisal and oh, nobody yeah. nobody has been able to tell me how what what is the difference between what Trump did where there's no victim and anybody who's attempting to appeal their property taxes and says no I believe my property's worth this well, it, it would warrant scrutiny of anyone applying for a loan or applying for an insurance policy because that's where the state, uh, state attorney general is coming from, that he gained favor with insurance companies and with banks through this manipulation. Well, well think about that. How many people on a regular basis fill out documents, and who's not trying to get favor with banks and insurance companies? If they were to win this case and it were to stand, then New York could go through everybody's business, anybody, individual, and on the commercial level, and scrutinize everything. And if if they say you were trying to manipulate to gain favor and you're lying because you claim one thing and the central appraisal district claims another or the bank disagreed. Well, we're going to consider that to be fraud. You don't get to do business in New York again. If they win this, if the attorney general wins this, I think it was yesterday that I said it, but it bears repeating. If she wins this case and it stands, I don't know how you stay in New York if you're a business. No, because I know. I that agree. risk is going to be at your doorstep at all times. Right. Who doesn't need to do business with a bank or an insurance company? Yeah, and on this, the 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 case here, uh, which is you know basically the uh, 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 election um, uh, interference case, which is the whole January sixth thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no evidence that Trump was the head of a conspiracy, uh, you know, to cause an insurrection, which would would be the the the, the major uh, point. The fact that you're screaming that the election was stolen. That's a free speech thing. Right. And if people are out there saying election. Now, if you do something illegal Mm -hmm. behavior wise, but the speech itself, no. And that's the big weakness of the case. Right. uh, Is uh, that statements about an election, whether it's because we know, know, you you can go through. We've played it before the. 45 minutes of what we have of Democrats denying, you know, that uh, that they lost an election. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that's that's free speech. Right. And and so, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know still what the what the crime would be specifically, but I haven't seen all the evidence that's going to be promoted. All I know is what came out of the select committee was you know, railroading Trump and not allowing anything to be Mm cross-examined, which is ridiculous. And it was based 
on that that Smith filed the charges. Right. And that was bogus to begin with. Right. Well, look, you know, look at the whole bogus January 6th committee. That's what I mean. That was yeah, the select yeah, committee. It, yeah. Right. If, if, the, if you look at the premise of the entire thing, remember toward the end? Well, we're going to divulge. We're going to divulge. You mean you've been doing this all along and you didn't start with that? Yeah. Because if I'm thinking as a liberal, and we do this sometimes, you're wanting them to get Trump, right? Mm-hmm. Liz Cheney and all the other liberals, you want them to get Trump. So all of a sudden at the end, well, we've, we're going to divulge something. Wait a minute. Why didn't you start with that? Because they had nothing to begin with. The January 6th committee was bogus. It wasn't an actual committee. It's not the way Congress works. It wasn't due process. Politically, it wasn't due process. And you think about their approach to all of this. Well, we're going to find something. We're going to. Here we are. We're about to head into January of 24. What are you going to find? Nothing. You've got nothing. And this is one more thing that, well, we're going to. We're going to charge you with, if the January 6th committee didn't find anything, because there wasn't anything. But if they didn't find anything, you're not going to find anything. I'm reading here from Politico, strengths of the case. Trump efforts to subvert the election were extensive. Well, remember, this is from Politico. Mm -hmm. Well documented and largely in public view. He and his allies spread lies about voter fraud. There's nothing illegal about doing that. Nothing. Nothing. And I don't know what this means. And stoked protests that led to the January 6th attack. What does that mean? Yeah, right. You can you can stoke all the protests you want. Right. You can tell people to peacefully right. protest. Right. And it says many of the top aides of the Trump administration testified to the grand jury, uh, given investigators remarkable insight of what was happening privately in Trump's orbit during the critical two-month period and perhaps providing important evidence about Trump's state of mind, Pence, who resisted Trump's pressure to try to annul the election result. There is no crime there. No. no. So the strengths of the case, they don't even list what the crime is. Right. And then they do the weakness of the case, which is the things that we have brought up before, that the statements are protected by the First Amendment, which they are. Right. Yeah, there's no way. Right. Remember when the Rachel Maddow said, look, the things they're saying happened didn't happen. It was Rachel Maddow saying, no, you, you may want it to be something. You really want it to be something because you really hate the guy. But you don't have anything. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, on so many of these cases, uh, you know, you you may set precedent for the future. Uh, you know, both in uh, in in uh, in New York, uh, and again, that I I'm fascinated, and I really haven't seen enough analysis on, for example, that New York fraud law. You know, the problems with yeah, it, right? Uh, and and whether that will pass. 
federal constitution muster and then uh, everything on the, the whole January 6th thing that they're looking at there. It's like you go back to saying, where's the crime? Right. Well, there was a conspiracy. A conspiracy to what? Who was damaged? L- li- what What is the most that you could take out of it? A conspiracy to lie? Hmm. Well, there is no such law as a conspiracy to lie. Uh, yeah. There was no insurrection. Right. They can't tie Trump to that mm-hmm. at all. Right. There was no insurrection. That's the lie that's being promoted. Now, if you buy into the lie that it was an insurrection that was led by Trump, well, that's a lie. There is no evidence that exists to that. Right. And if you start on that false premise, everything may sound logical going forward, but it's still the false right. premise. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, I don't have a, I do not have an ugly Christmas sweater. I never have had one. Uh, yeah, not a sweater, guys. Yeah. So, uh, I was watching, uh, Godfeld last night. He had his ugly sweater on. Christmas mm. sweater. I don't have one. No. Hey, did, did I tell you that, uh, I'm considering giving up talk radio and going into a TV. Are you? Oh, I got a. Uh, Is anybody else considering you going? I into got. TV? I got a message yesterday. Remember, I did that. Uh, I had that uh, extra part. Right, right from the movie. Yeah, right. The mob movie. The the mob uh, series, TV yeah. series. Independent all all TV you series. New Yorkers end up in a mob movie somehow. Well, he. I don't know he how con- that works. He contacted me yesterday. Yeah, and wondered if I'd be available tonight to do another extra speaking part because. Oh. Apparently, he liked what he saw right. and thought that I could be, he hasn't figured it all out, but he thought about adding something to the last series, which would be, because everything's a cliffhanger, and it would be me being part of somehow the Irish mob and in some way working for the Italian mob. Yeah, well. And, and I told him I, I I told him I couldn't do it yet. Yeah, that, because and, I, and that's I have not bigoted at all, by the way. That's not stereotype. <laughs> uh, I, I told him I'm only available because they do the shoot at these places at night. Like my, it was my coffee shop again. And I said, I just, I can't do it. I've got to uh, do the show. And I said, but he said, well, I, here's what I'm thinking. I said, well, I'm free any Friday or Saturday night where I'm, when I'm not visiting my dad, he goes, okay, cool. So I'm getting ready to probably replace Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. God, Ted Cruz. That Tom went Cruz. Totally different direction. <laughs> Tom Cruz. Ted Cruz. Totally different Cruz. <laughs> totally different line of work. No, I do not want to work in the Senate. <laughs> yeah, that's a totally different direction. <laughs> Ted Cruz. Tom Cruz. Yeah. Without the Scientology. Right. Can't wait to see those box office numbers. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sticking with my day. Excuse me. I'm sick. I'm sticking with my night job, my overnight job. Yeah. But that was cool. And he goes, hey, yeah. And the funny thing is, you know, apparently he was pleased with how I performed in my speaking role, mm. which someone asked me, well, have you ever acted before? And I went, no. Well, how did it feel? And I went, I don't know. I hadn't woken up yet. And they just said, go over here, say this. And I did it. I wasn't even thinking. Buddy of mine from high school is uh, is an actor. And I told that to my daughter one time, one of my daughters. She goes, well, you know, maybe in high school, he was just acting like he was your buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. So. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck. <laughs> And by the way, it's it's really easy to make it in Hollywood, so <laughs> you should be just fine this late in life. What exactly? You'll probably want to invest all the money that you have into making a move out there, you know. A move from Texas to California. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going. It's right. Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm going to California. Uh-huh. I'm going to make it in Hollywood mm-hmm. at my age. Yep. Yep. I'll never forget. It was a financial show. And a guy called one time and said, I've been working really hard. I've got a great job. I've saved $250,000. This guy was like 25. I already had that kind of money. Mm -hmm. And he said, but I'm in a band. And I've talked to these producers and they said for 250,000, they could (laughs) for 250,000, they could produce and uh you know make me a cd yeah <laughs> and there was a pause from the financial guy i forgot which one it was mm. are you out of your mind <laughs> that was a big thing now you would have to rent studio time and hire people if you don't have people if no one's inviting you to a studio to make a demo right you're gonna have to pay to make a demo but two hundred and fifty thousand is a bit much. <laughs> it wasn't Dave Ramsey. I forgot who it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this goes back like twenty five years. Yeah, right. But I knew what the response was going to be as I was listening. Mm-hmm. So I've saved two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm twenty five years old, but I'm in a band. Yeah. And they told me from that kind of money, I could get an excellent produced CD. And they'll even make me some copies that we could sell. That's right. Put all your life savings into it at the age of 25. (laughs) That would be my advice. (laughs) But it was the pause in between. Yeah. With the host, which was like, well, what is out of your mind? Having said that, there was a guy named Jeff, and he said, I'm going to sell books out of my garage. (laughs) <laughs> then everyone said you're crazy <laughs> then he started this company and and you know and everyone's like you're not making any money he goes i know i know years later you're still not making any money i know i know you're still doing the book thing still doing the book thing how's that going for you it's not going well and now he delivers something to pretty much everybody at, at some point in their life and still isn't making money. Oh, 
Yeah. Is the company, By the way, is the, the new... company profitable yet? Amazon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're profitable. Oh, okay. They weren't yeah. a couple of years ago. Remember, yeah. they were still? Uh, no, they're, I mean, they're profitable. They, <laughs> they, the big turn for them was when they bought all the uh, freight planes. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's right. In yeah. fact, yeah, that's right. he's the number one mm-hmm. um, in terms of moving packages. Amazon's number one over FedEx and UPS. They move more packages than any other carrier. And when, the by the way, over the weekend, and I just saw it, somebody, uh, let me see here. Uh, somebody else reposted it. Business Insider. I saw the story somewhere else. Is Amazon's Jeff Bezos a bad neighbor? First of all, he's about to leave. He lives in Washington State. And there are other billionaires that live in his neighborhood. But the complaint from his neighbors, get this. We have a community trash day where everybody comes out and picks up garbage. Someone in the story actually said this, someone who lives close. I've seen billionaires pick up garbage, but I've never seen Jeff Bezos pick up garbage. <laughs> First of all, I thought, well, maybe that's because Jeff Bezos doesn't have any garbage oh because he's worth gosh. a quadrillion dollars. And maybe he pays a lot of people. By the way, he owns there are like he owns this one house on the shore. And then there are two other houses where his security and maintenance people live. You know, so they're mad because he doesn't participate in the whole garbage pickup day. That's what they're mad about. I've never seen him pick up garbage. It's, you know, you got to have something, right? And he's leaving. He's leaving Washington State. He's leaving and moving to Florida is the word. And the world has to go bonkers because he's not picking up garbage in Washington State. We need him to come out and act like he cares. We never see him. You know what he does for a living, right? My gosh. It was Bob Brinker. Okay. I was trying to think of who the talk show host was. All right. Yeah. So it goes back a few years. Yeah. Bob Brinker. Yeah. It was, I'll, never, I'll never forget that listening. And and it was the pause. Mm-hmm. It was the pause in there. We did, didn't we do some numbers figuring out how much? What? Uh, if he moved to Florida, uh, Bezos would actually save. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, it was in it was a, in the tens of billions, billions of dollars. dollars yeah. if he, just yeah. because of if right. he... If he moved all of his assets there, right. they were right. based out of there what he would save. It right. was mind-boggling numbers. Yeah. It was like, yeah. I'd move. <laughs> oh, it's massive. Um, And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just people get on a thing. They, it, the jealousy and envy just never stops. Because they, they say, you know, again, it's, you know, well, I've seen other billionaires come out and pick up garbage. Okay, fine. If they want to do that, or they could, you know, hire people to do that. Is that so wrong? Jeff Bezos lives in your neighborhood. 
<laughs> the value, I don't care what you live in, the value of your home is higher because of that. And so are my property taxes. Exactly. <laughs> my gosh, man. People just don't, they just don't see it. They don't get it. I don't, I don't like the fact that, okay, great. You and Elizabeth Warren can go cry your little <laughs> snowflake tears. What did she say? Yes, she said something the last couple of days. By the way, they cited another billionaire in that neighborhood. I forget who it, who it was, which one it was, who has a net worth of like a hundred and, you know, roughly a hundred billion dollars. And they said that billionaire keeps his front gate open. You can actually go to his door and he'll answer his door. So whichever publication, I don't remember if it was the, the business insider uh, version of the story or not, whichever publication it was, they went to his door and he answered and they said, you have a comment about Jeff Bezos not picking up trash? And he goes, no, no comment. <laughs> and shut his door. It's just so stupid what people get caught up in. Oh, I know what it was. Right. Okay. The Elizabeth Warren, because the su- Subway food fight thing is back again. Yeah, yeah, and big it was, sandwich. It, it was Stuart Varney mm. going after her because she <laughs> wants to crack down on big sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I knew she was on the news the last couple of days. Right. Uh, she does have a whiny voice. Well, she just sounds she like in a she sounds oh, like she's, uh, you know, a third grade teacher trying to plead with no, she third graders to try and settle. No, I need you to settle down. I'm going to need <laughs> you to be quiet. They're climbing on the chalkboard. I'm just going to need you to not... Please not climb on the chalkboards. <laughs> Just impossible to listen to. I did read in in regards to that only ele- that Elizabeth Warren has introduced three hundred and thirty bills into the Senate. Only eleven have ever passed. Wow, three percent. Yeah, success rate. So it looks like the whole thing to. However, she would try to stop. Yeah, do away with billionaires. Big sandwich. Mm-hmm. Oh, big sandwich. That one. Big yeah. sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or do away with billionaires. Right. I did She's see still that. working on that. I yeah. did see that the other day. I was going through it was something on social media, and someone said, "Well, there shouldn't be any billionaires." I went, "Wow, somebody remembers Bernie saying that a couple of years ago." Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, they would love that. Now, Bernie used to say millionaires and billionaires. Yeah. He doesn't say millionaires anymore because he is one. He is one. Right. And he's probably a multimillionaire by now. I mean, are, are I, I any, think he was. Are any when we socialists were first upset that Bernie Sanders is now a millionaire? No, no, I don't see anybody crying. Is that because of inflation? Being a millionaire isn't that great of a thing anymore, right? <laughs> Not what it used to be. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more red eye radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Okay, let's play Who Wrote This. Okay. 
Cities are organic entities. They have life cycles. They can thrive and grow or suffer and shrink. Uh, I learned this firsthand. Detroit wasn't always the Detroit of today. San Francisco today is different from San Francisco 10 years ago. New York, Los Angeles, Chicago aren't what they were 20 years ago. It's time we opened our eyes to reality. Many cities are going backwards. We are experiencing an unrecognized urban crisis as cities grapple with post-COVID realities. Cities were created primarily as locations for employment, post-COVID remote work, Zoom meetings, abbreviated work weeks, and increased mobility change the basic urban equation. Fewer people need to be in the city to work, and during COVID, many adopted new lifestyles and locations. We still aren't getting people into the office five days a week and may never again. That drop in population ripples across the urban economy, affecting real estate, restaurants, retail, and more, and costing sales, income, and property tax revenue. Rising homelessness, crime, and high tax taxes make cities even less inviting, even unsustainable. The tipping point for some cities may be the migrant crisis. As an example, New York City Mayor Eric Adams announced massive budget deficit caused by largely an estimated $10 billion migrant cost. The deficit requires a reduction in city services, even police and sanitation. This at a time when the number one issue is crime and quality of life in the cities. This is a death spiral. The federal government sets immigration policy. It's outrageous to make cities shoulder the cost. And it's headlined The Migrant Crisis and the Urban Death Spiral, written by mm-hmm. Andrew Cuomo. Oh, somebody's thinking about getting back in. Yep. Finally, the federal government must pay the cost of migrant care. To the extent the feds are delinquent, states must bear the financial cost. The last level of government responsible for the cost should be local government forcing cities to pay for a migrant crisis that they have no business managing in the first place is government malpractice. Cities are already struggling and and in crisis. Well, the reason they can't is because <laughs> Biden is abusing the immigration law. Right. Right. By giving amnesty to whoever wants it. Right. Anyone that That's, you all you have to do is claim asylum. Just say the word asylum and you're in. Right. You're not going to get Congress to appropriate the money now. Nope. Nope. Because they want it stopped. Right. Yeah. This, this you know, this this notion that the you know the federal government must blah blah blah. Yeah, sorry. Uh you may be uh issuing your statement here in a pre run floating of the balloon to run for mayor of New York City, but you're gonna hit the same wall that Mayor Adams has hit. Right. Historically, Democratic federal administrations have understood this and pursued urban agendas. What happened? We are effectively abandoning cities at a time when they need our real help. You're talking about Democrats are abandoning the cities. Right. We know that. Yeah, we know that. That's the policy that was created. It's by design. Right. New York City created their their policy. Their sanctuary city policy. Right. And the current mayor. Even at one point, asked the courts to to hit the brakes on it. They have the makeup politically in New York City to undo sanctuary city policy, and they won't do it. They won't do it. Won't do it. And 
as long as that's going to be in play, you know, Cuomo can, you know, he's trying to sound like the hero. Things have to change. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, we know. We, you know, we've heard the rumor that you want to run for mayor. <laughs> we get it. We get it. But you're not going to do any better in that position as than, than Adams. I mean, you may be louder about it. And the fact is, is that you're also going to go up against the, the current governor or whoever the governor, uh, you know, whether it's Hochul or the next governor or whoever it is. Well, it's at least interesting that Governor Cuomo has realized Democrats don't care right. about their constituents exactly. in their yes. cities. Exactly. Fourth branch of government, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight, we make it very easy for you. And thank you. So here we go. Just to continue with the insanity, this is uh, Steve Moore uh, wrote this, uh, who is an economic advisor to uh, Trump. And we had mentioned him before. Uh, we were very happy when Trump decided and moved away from his, uh, when he was president, his uh, protectionist mindset and moved more to free markets. And Steve Moore was one of the reasons, as was Larry Kudlow. Mm. And that's why and we were talking about earlier about prices. Now, that's the important part of how people view the economy, prices, which is why when Trump a month and a half ago came out and said he'd, as soon as he become president, he put a 10% tariff on all products coming into the United States, we went, does he have any idea what's going on? Because prices is it. You don't sit there and come in and say, we're going to raise prices on everything 10%. Day one is being president. Yeah. Luckily, he got away with it because when he says 10% tariffs, people don't put two and two together. Right. right. But when you put two and two together, you go, what are you, nuts? Can't. Prices are is everything right now. Mm-hmm. That is the economy. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the Democrats being so confused. We have no idea why people don't know that the economy is so great. Because they are working a job and a job and a half, and they're still underwater. Yeah. They can't make it. <clears throat> and uh, so, and we read that article of from Fox saying, the experts are confused. No, Democrat activists are con- yep. are not confused. This is their only excuse that they have left. Mm. The people can't see because it's taking time for people to understand what an incredible economy uh, Biden is pulling off. Did you see what he what had three lies yesterday? Was it? Mm. Yeah, he did the Amtrak lie. He did the uh, firehouse uh, fire lie again. Oh, and the one about Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Yeah. Which everybody went, what in the world is he talking right. about? He's just making up stuff yesterday. He lose, he's, I'm telling you, he's losing. He's getting worse. They they uh, they said uh, that, that mm. it, you know, with his comments about the house fire, before he had, he had gotten to the point that his wife nearly died or something, 
And then I think yesterday it was something to the effect of she was in danger or in harm's way or something. He made it sound like she was injured. I'd have to get the exact quote, but the whole thing was a lie. It was a it was an isolated house fire. Right. Like the one that I experienced and my wife experienced years ago. And thankfully, no one was hurt. And the firefighters did an excellent job. And unfortunately, so did the smoke in ruining a lot of things. But it was isolated. And Biden can't just say that. Everything has to be about him. And he's got to make it up as he goes along. You know, it's it's. I don't. I just don't. I guess once you're in that mode, you just don't stop, right? No, you don't. You just he you he just pretends like the internet doesn't exist. He was instantly fact checked, as everyone is these days. Anyone who's speaking in public, and he doesn't get, still doesn't grasp that. No self awareness. Well, Stephen Moore wrote this uh, column in the New York Post. President Biden just pledged to shut down 60% of America's electric power. Yeah. The Biden administration made two virtue signaling proclamations at last week's climate change conference in Dubai that it says will help save the planet from climate change. Well, the policies aren't likely to change the planet's temperature by even one-tenth of a degree but they might just destroy the 21st century American industrial economy as we know it. First, Team Biden announced it will stop production of any new coal plants in the United States. This comes on the heels of President Biden's Environmental Protection Agency saying this year that it would impose new power plant emission regulations that are virtually impossible for coal plants to comply with. The bottom line, no more coal, period. But the White House was just getting started. Mm. Vice President Harris then the next day talked about the new rules to sharply reduce methane from oil and natural gas, the oil and natural gas industry. The administration calls methane a super pollutant uh, that it wants to eliminate because it's many times more potent than carbon dioxide. But methane is effectively a hydrocarbon that comes from natural gas. Eliminating methane is a de facto ban on natural gas power plants. Here is the most sinister part of that story Mm. that no one in the Biden administration is telling you eradicating coal and natural gas plants will ravage America's electric power capacity. Of course. Those regulations will cause rolling blackouts and brownouts across the country much like we've already seen in California, America's forerunner of the radical anti-fossil fuel policies. The lights will go out intermittently, and home heating in the winter and air conditioning in the summer will have to be turned off or rationed. Without gas and coal permits, hospitals, schools, the Internet, construction projects, and factories will be routinely shut down when unreliable alternative energy sources like wind and solar power are not delivering enough juice. Upwards of 60% of America's electric power generation will go away and soon. Hmm. Coal still provides roughly 20% 
of our electric power and natural gas supplies, around 40%. What will make up for this lost power, especially given that our demands on the power grid are only going to multiply over the coming years? As the Greens want the entire network of cars, trucks, and vans to be powered by charging up on the electric grid? The Biden administration, in other words, wants to nearly double the demands on the electric grid network at the same time it wants to shut down more than half of the nation's power generation and the most reliable power sources at that. Mm. Something must give. The climate change groups had crammed uh, into Dubai last week, echoed uh, by head-in-the-sand politicians like John Kerry, piously advised that Americans will have to stop taking so many plane trips, especially overseas, and become less reliant on cars, switching to mass transit or bicycles instead. Some people may believe these mandatory sacrifices and rationing of modern age conveniences are justified to starve off catastrophic climate change, except the shutdown of our coal and natural gas power plants will not move the needle a millimeter on greenhouse gas emissions and may make global CO2 emissions worse, not better. That's because by far the biggest producer of greenhouse gas emissions, China, isn't playing in this climate change sandbox. Mm. President Xi didn't even attend the conference, and the Chinese who did were adamant about climate change concerns that they aren't going to interfere with Beijing's grandiose economic expansion plans. The coal plants and mines we shut down in places like Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming are being replaced two or three times over by newly built coal-fired plants in India and China. We shut down one plant, they bring online two or three new ones. The math doesn't add up, especially since we have cleaner coal plants than China does. Biden is playing a dangerous game of unilateral energy disarmament. If he has his way, we will jump off the cliff first in the naive hope that China, India, Russia, and Europe are right behind us. Mm-hmm. Whether intentional or not, this radical green agenda will cripple our global economic leadership, cost the economy millions of jobs, and make Americans colder in their homes in the winter and hotter in the summer. Does that seem like a smart way to protect ourselves from the danger of a changing climate, real or imagined? And the way it'll come down is as these things start happening, um, you know, brownouts, blackouts, and all of that, they'll approach it with local officials basically, hey, listen, um, you're using too much energy. There's a strain because, you know, it's cold outside or it's warm outside. When it's always warm outside in a state like Texas in the summer. And it's always cold outside in the northern tier in the heart of winter. And that's the way they'll approach it. Listen, you need to do more about conserving. Boy, the the fascinating thing is I just uh, went with a new electric provider, electricity mm-hmm. provider. By the way, people that don't know, we have a choice. Mm-hmm. Electricity is deregulated here. 
Right. And and so I when I uh, uh, went with my power company, I started looking at all the different plans and every single one. It's like, okay, but what am I being charged per kilowatt hour? Well, it depends how much you use. Right. Oh, okay. So the less I use, the cheaper it is. And the more I use, the more expensive it gets. No. That's what you would think, right? That That's what, what you, you would think. think. Yeah. Complete opposite. Right. As they tell you to cut back, the more you use, it gets a lot cheaper. Right. <laughs> it's just like, what? What? Yeah, what exactly. What the hell's going on? <laughs> it's like... And it's been that way for a while, oh, by the way. Um, but that's the approach. Hand it over to local organizations to tell you, hey, you're using too much electricity. Later today, we're going to need to do rolling brownouts or expect blackouts or whatever it's going to be. After all this is done, this is the move on methane gas. Um, you know, that the the fact that they want to shut down essentially... Methane gas is a, a byproduct when you're going after natural gas during the whole natural gas uh, production process. And if you come in and tell the operation, you got to shut down this whole thing with methane, then at that point, it's done. You're shutting down natural gas production. And that's the goal. Because ultimately, the main goal is for them to nationalize energy. Make it to where the private sector is so overregulated that they have to, and Obama said it under my plan of cap and trade, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket, and they regulate it to where they pass it on to you. It becomes extremely expensive and too expensive to produce at some point. And then, well, I guess big government has to step in and take greater control of production. And once the government takes control of the means of production, well, you have full-on communism. They want to do that with energy. They want to do that with health care. We all know it. They're not beating around the bush on any of this. They've been saying it for years. But you've got to break the backs of the private sector in order to get it done. And you would think, you would think, well, they can't get there because the blackouts and the brownouts are going to be too great. Well, again, if they approach it like, you know, ERCOT here in Texas, what, the the Energy Reliance Council of Texas? Liability. Liability. Yeah. And so they just put them put it on, you know, ERCOT, just, hey, listen, this afternoon it's going to be hot. There's going to be some clouds in West Texas, so solar's not going to be producing. There's no wind in West Texas, so wind isn't going to be producing. You need to cut back because it's, it's we're having a heat wave. Well, in Texas, we call heat wave July, August. And in the northern tier, well, we're having frigid temperatures. Yeah, they call that winter. And they'll reach out to you from the local level saying, no, 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 no. The problem is you're using too much. You need to quit being so selfish and set your temperature at the proper setting. 95 in the summer for your A.C., and 37 for your heater. We are entering economic, energy, and national security suicide yep. because it is what Democrats, yep. independents, yep. and some Republicans yep. have voted for. Yep. And if you keep voting for this, this is exactly yep. what's going to happen.
866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Really, it's uh, incredible when you think about it, uh, what the, the left wants to uh, to do. And, and any child, I mean, a junior high school student, uh, you know, I, 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 for, for one of my Boy Scout projects, I could have figured this out, that you can't do this, yeah. you know. Yep. So this, this, is, this is child stuff. This is yep. basic electricity. You can't do what they're trying to do. And if you wanted to do this, then what you what they should say is, and we'll get to more of this, we're going to cut back on natural gas, and we're going to cut back on coal. We're going to build 100 new nuclear plants. But yeah. until they're built, we can't cut back. Right. We need to build it first. Right. We're not building 100 nuclear plants. Right. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Welcome. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. So just talking about something that's totally insane and involves our economic energy and national uh, security and we have decided as a nation to commit suicide in all of those three areas now i know what you're saying come on that's a little bit over the top rhetoric well is it when you see that president biden new york post had it stephen moore economist had it president biden just pledged to shut down 60 percent of america's electric power Mm -hmm. saying no more new new coal plants we're going to shut down the coal plants that exist and we want to shut down the natural gas industry also. Yeah. As they're telling us that by 2035, all that will be sold will be electric vehicles, mm-hmm. which means we're going to put much more strain on the grid and we're going to cut 60% of the actual power, the reliable power that we have right now will be cut. Correct. Now, the logical thing is if you were going to do something like this is to explain to America what you're going to replace it with, right? Yeah. you so, would Because the first thing you want to do is assure everyone that they won't notice a thing except for a cleaner planet. Right. I mean, and so what you would say is, because it's the only recourse that you have, would be, all right, and I don't know how many you need. I'm just throwing the number out. All right, we're, we are going to be replacing uh, uh, this 1,000 million megawatt hours will be taken out. We're going to replace it with this amount of megawatts coming from nuclear plants. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a, a uh, federal effort to do so because we must, must go to clean energy. But the last thing you do is say, all right, 
our plan as a government. And I want any Democrat to tell me that this is a responsible thing to do. That's one Democrat to tell me this is responsible. And I know you can't get it. But it's you've got to complete the equation. You've got to complete the sentence. You just don't make a proclamation and go, that's it. Yep, yep, let's go ahead forward. We're the politicians that represent the best interests of the people. So what have you told us? Well, we told, we've told you we're going to increase drastically the amount of electricity we're going to use, but we're going to cut back over the next 10 years, but we're going to cut out 60% of the electricity that we use right now that is a consistent form of energy that isn't held hostage to the wind or the sun. Yeah. And you, that's exactly what you don't do. And if you are going to do that, then you have a responsibility as just a person who cares about your fellow man to say, okay, we're going to replace this bad energy with this good energy. Nobody on the left has done that. They've talked in general, well, okay, well, we'll have to replace it with nuclear. Where? How? How are you going to mandate that? You're mandating that we need to shut down You're mandating we need to shut down uh, gasoline, oil, natural gas, coal. You're going to you're mandating all of these across the board. Nobody is mandating that you need to replace it with something that's consistent, which would only be nuclear. Is that a responsible thing to do? I ask any Democrat or anybody who believes in climate change, whether that's a responsible thing to do. And if your next answer is, well, no, we need to get out of our cars and we need to take public transportation, well, then Democrats should say that. We shouldn't be building electric vehicles, right? If they're going to own it. Right. If you're going to own it, you don't build electric vehicles because you do need energy in order to make sure people are warm and cool in their homes. That's the number one thing, right? Survival. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you're saying, nope, we don't want people to own individual cars anymore because of climate change and nobody wants nuclear, well, then say it. Be honest with the American people. That's the thing that gets to us is the fact that they're doing things and they can't tell the American public the truth. And they give you half of an argument. They don't or half of the equation. They never complete it and say, Oh, yeah, we're being responsible. We're being responsible citizens. Here's what we have to do. They throw out stupid statements and slogans and never actually tell you how they're going to ensure that your life is secure. And if they don't do that, their goal is to make your life a living hell. And frankly, the reason they can't own it is because they know how catastrophic this is going to be. Yeah. Because as soon as they come out and own it, I mentioned earlier that they're going to rely on uh, local organizations to tell you to cut back on the usage. Because when we get to the point of brownouts and blackouts, they're going to tell you it's your fault. You're using too much. Well, if they start by saying we're doing this and they try and own it, then, of course, they have to take the responsibility when we have brownouts and blackouts. So they can't claim that responsibility. They have to do this, and then all of a sudden, oh, wait, it's about your usage. 
you're using too much. That's where this is going. I can hear people in the Biden administration, basically any of them, including Biden, saying, listen, you've had it great for a long, long time. How much energy do you actually need? You don't need that much. So it's 95 degrees outside. Well, grab a wet rag. So it's cold outside. Rub your hands together. We call that friction. You can make your own energy. This is how stupid it's getting. And we're choosing to go down this road. All of this is a choice. And you can't say body heat because in the future we've seen Demolition Man, uh, you know, any type of body heat sexual relations will be with those goggles that they wore. Right. Or we just go back to some old rock and roll and you have a, when it's really cold, a three dog night, which means all three dogs sleep at the foot of your bed. Keep your feet warm. That's a three dog night. We can't have dogs. Yeah, you can. No, cats and dogs will have to no, go. No, it's humans that have to go. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Well, they are advocating that, you know, the radical environmentalists, no pets. Yeah. But they start with humans. <laughs> humans have to yeah. be the first to go. I don't want and other humans laying at the foot of my bed, by the way. That as, would be weird. As we know, the thing is they can't tell you the full truth because they know Americans wouldn't accept it. Ex- well, so they, they lie know, to you. They know that because they everyone, the first question would be, well, wait a minute. During this transition, aren't we going to have brownouts and blackouts? Uh, Yeah, we're going to. Well, this is a horrible idea, and we don't want to do it. That's why they can't own it. They can't own it because the truth comes back at them quickly. And they've never been able to own it. And we just pretend like we're going to get by with solar and wind and these EVs and, oh, wait. We can't sell the EVs. It's expensive to repair the EVs. Oh, wait, what do we do with these massive turbines on these wind farms when they're no longer usable? It's really expensive to transport them. Oh, I know. We'll give them a graveyard. We'll bury them in the dirt. Those massive graveyards that they have now that. Have been, Which have is exactly the what they're going to have to do with all the EVs that nobody, the used EVs. No one is addressing that problem either. No. No one's addressing the whole thing of, well, the batteries. Well, what are you going to do with all those batteries? If a mandate were to happen, which, by the way, we, we just can't get there. It's not possible to get there based on their schedule. It's not. I don't know that we'll be able to get there in my lifetime. But what are we going to do if, in the event that that happens, what are you doing with all these batteries? What are you doing with all these? Because no one wants to buy a used EV because they know the clock is ticking. A much shorter clock is already ticking on that battery. They don't want to be the chump that has to pay for that new battery after the last guy got all the usage out of it. So... Used EV sales. What about repairing those EVs when you get a fender bender? Well, some of the rental car companies are saying, that's a problem. 
That's actually our greatest expense. When we someone rents a car from us, they get into a fender bender. These things are enormously expensive to fix, even a fender bender. So all of this is adding up very quickly. And if we're not paying attention, we can usher more of this insanity right into our lives because we choose to do it. And the question would be, why do we accept it? Why do why do we keep doing this? Yeah. Why do why do we accept it? Have we learned did COVID teach us to be completely compliant and ask no questions as uh, as government officials, liberal government officials plan our, our economic, energy and national security suicide? And we're okay with it. Well, it's here's the thing. Remember the other day when when Trump joked um, in the town hall about you know I'll, I'll just be a dictator just on the first day, just the first day I'll be a dictator on the first day, and he joked in. But the liberal media lost their minds. Look at all of the moves, the actual moves that the Biden administration has made on energy, and not a word, and that that takes away. Your freedom. Exactly. And and your ability to live, to have a quality of life. Exactly. And not a word. Right. He's no. his with a swipe of a pen. Boom, boom, boom. And all these pledges. Well, these pledges aren't going to go empty. He'll be acting like a dictator, just like he's been doing since day one. Remember the liberal media after a few days of him being in office? They were like, slow your roll on the executive orders. And he decided he was going to come in, and that's what he was going to do. And he's going to he'll ramp that up again in twenty twenty four because we allow it. And the liberal argument that came out last week: Well, we're not banning gasoline cars, right? Yeah, right. What are you talking about? Oh, we're no, not. They, no, we're, we're not banning them. We're, we're we're just limiting the emissions, right. which is a de facto ban. Right. Stop it! You can't turn it on. Right. Stop! You can't drive it. We're not, ban- We're not banning it. You can own one. They can make one. You can buy one. You turn it on. But that's the. But, and we're coming after you. But that's the lies. That, they cannot. Exactly. They cannot be honest with the American people because if the American people fully understand where they're taking us, they yep. would say exactly what we're saying. Yep. Why is why are the Democrats leading us to economic, energy, and national security suicide? Why would we do this? This doesn't make any sense. If you're going to get rid of these consistent forms of energy, what are you going to replace them with, especially when you're not telling us, you're not saying as a nation, the Democrats are not saying as a nation, we're going to use less electricity. No. In fact, they're saying... We may be using, because we've got to charge electric vehicles, we may be using double what we're using right now right. as we cut back on the consistent forms of energy right. and electricity. Yep. I mean, it's pure insanity. And yet we keep allowing it. Yep. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. Due to safety concerns, many motor carriers have policies that limit or prohibit the use of cruise control. If your motor carrier does allow you to use cruise control, you should only use it in good driving conditions during daylight hours and on roads that have light traffic, few curves or hills, and a consistent speed limit. 
Never use cruise control when operating in adverse driving conditions, including wet, icy, or slippery roads, during rush hour in heavy traffic or on congested highways, at night, or when you're tired or fatigued. During all of these driving scenarios, you want to be controlling and adjusting your speed as you drive instead of having to suddenly brake if you encounter an obstacle. In the case of a slippery road surface, you want to be able to slow your vehicle by not accelerating instead of using the brakes whenever possible. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let's go to Mark in Carson City, Nevada, as we talk about the insane electricity plan uh, that uh, the uh, administration announced here in the last uh, week. 60% uh, cut in the current energy that we produce by getting rid of coal and natural gas. Hi, Mark. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good. I was just curious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you just a few questions, and then and let you guys take it out. Right. Think about it. They're, they want us to charge at night our cars the sun's not out okay that's one thing and the rewiring you have to rewire every school every every um condo every apartment complex for electric cars at night this this doesn't make any sense the natural resources it would take to actually do that they'd have to destroy i mean so much stuff there'd be a, i mean it just doesn't make any sense it's absolutely nuts that they think that this, this is something they can do i don't I'm just thinking about the rewiring you'd have to do and all the resources you'd have to do to retool everything. Yeah, Mark, uh, you, are, of course, as a critical thinker, are living in reality, and they're living in this delusional state, uh, and and they're lying through their teeth. They want uh, to ramp up these mandates over and over again on every front uh, as if we could do this on the EV mandate alone. There's no possible way. It's never been done in terms of what we would have to do and just mining the resources necessary to build the cars and the infrastructure in such a short period of time. It's never been done, and we're the greatest in the world at doing it. So it won't be done, and it will be a catastrophe if we allow these types of mandates to keep coming from administrations like the Biden administration. They're not the last on the left to, you know, to do this. If Biden doesn't win next November, um, the next liberal administration is going to move even further on this. And we have to put a stop to it. We have to choose as a nation to not allow this any longer. Well, we have seen, you know, we experienced it. uh, You know, you had uh, uh, Texas with a constitutional uh, referendum just uh, in this last uh, election in November, mm-hmm. which is the fact that now we're going to subsidize we're going to subsidize natural gas because natural gas is going to be the backup to the subsidizing of the solar and wind. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pure insanity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, we need to build natural gas plants that can immediately come on when the wind dies and the sun isn't out. And therefore, we can't make a profit on those plants so it's going to have to be covered by the taxpayer, the general taxpayer. That's the insanity going on here in Texas 
because there's no way you can stop the federal government's mandates and the subsidies on solar and wind. Mm -hmm. So we've gone to the insanity here. But but I understand why they did it, because they said, look, we can't run on solar and wind. And as soon as they announced it uh, earlier this year, before even the vote, is when the administration came out and said, oh, we're going to kill natural gas, too. Right. So when Texas and it was like a week later that they announced it, it's like, oh, okay, we got to make sure that Texas dies. Right. I mean, none of it makes any sense. And if you were going to make sense, you'd say we're going to cut all this back. But. We're going to be all electric vehicles. In order to do that, we need to build whatever you'd need, 100, 500 nuclear plants to do it to replace this power. But nobody is talking about how you replace the electricity that you're going to lose if you do this. Right. So they're not even coming up with a plan. No, there's no solution. That is viable in any way. Nope. To have, outlaw the behavior. Right. To have this transition. Right. Which the transition itself is insane, but I'm saying you would still think you would have a plan to replace the electricity, and they don't. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's our Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. So you, you, we can take politics out of it. Yeah. That's the whole thing. We, we can take politics out of it and just say, is this how you should do something? Hmm. Forget about whether you're a Democrat or Republican. Conservative or liberal, just say, just ask yourself, is that the way to do something? And right, with right, the, the right. president announcing last, you know, uh, making the announcement last week that we're getting rid of coal completely and uh, Harris the next day talking about what the administration already talked about, the methane limitations, which would mean all natural gas plants are gone, then what do you replace it with? Right. Is that a political question or is that a security question for a nation? And a quality of life. I mean, it is political because well, I mean, it's, it's all coming from the left. It, but it, but the fact when you just when you break it down, it's simply a thing of of electrical science. Well, and it will be you know not just quality of life; it will be a matter of life and death. Life and, at, yes, at, at certain points during extreme uh, situations. So you're compromising people's lives without having a solution, right. without putting into place a consistent form of energy. And so that's why I've even taken it to the example of what I actually don't believe, that you need to get rid of right. all coal and natural gas. I don't believe that. But if right. I did believe that, hmm. if that, if I was if I was a Democrat senator and saying, all right, we need to go all electric vehicles, which means we're going to drastically increase the amount of electricity we use as a nation. Right. And we need to eliminate. Uh, now, you're not going to eliminate all oil because you're going to need oil for tens of thousands of different products that need petroleum in order to uh, survive uh, and in order to survive as a society. But you're cutting the vast majority of it out. You don't want it for vehicles. You've mandated that everything's electric by 2035, which means a huge increase, 
hypothetically, if people were going to buy electric vehicles, because this is all hypothetical, because we'll get to that story in just a moment about uh, CNBC, the story yesterday. And we've known it, though, the Ford cutting cutting back production of the Lightning by half, Mm -hmm. cutting in half what they're going to produce the Ford Lightning. They can't sell the electric. uh, They can't sell the electric vehicles. Why? Well, duh. Because people are idiots and don't realize that economics dictates that people will only buy something that's more expensive if they get a huge increase in productivity and efficiency, and that's not what you're getting. Right. And so the public rejects. Well, why did that happen? Economics, stupid. Yep. Because that's what it's about. It's, people respond uh, you know, to what's in their own self-interest, and that isn't in their own self-interest. Unless it's a trophy to show, I've got my second vehicle and it's an electric vehicle. But in most places, most places, it's not practical and it isn't as efficient and productive as the current vehicle that we have. The first time we've ever done that in American history, which is the government mandates something that isn't as good as the product that already exists. Yep. But you increase the electricity that we have to use as a nation, and then you say we're going to cut back 60% of what we currently use, those forms of consistent manufacturing are gone, and nowhere do we state where we're going to replace it with. There right. is no mandate. Right. Because the logical thing, and if I'm a liberal Democrat who buys into all climate change, I still would be concerned about the quality of life of everybody and so if we're going to if we're I'm going to live in that dream world that everybody's going to buy an electric vehicle, we need to have the electricity not only to replace a 60% loss, but probably another doubling of electricity. They did the whole figure. Somebody we did that I can't remember exactly what it would be how much more we would need, but they did it. Whatever you would need and more, how are you going to replace it? You can't do it with solar and wind, it's inconsistent. The only place you could do it is nuclear. And nobody's, and nobody's promising that. Nobody's, nobody's saying there's a mandate. A plan. Nope. Nope. No. In fact, getting that much nuclear expansion done politically? 100 man. years. Oh, easy. If, if politically you could get the NIMBY effects rolling in your favor, that's the problem. The first hurdle is going to be the whole NIMBY thing on nuclear. Oh, yeah. You want to expand nuclear? To, to the extent of that you, would be necessary, right? good luck. I'll make the popcorn. Well, I'll have to make it, it outside it, over fire. I could say if you have the electricity to make the popcorn, yeah. you may not have it. I know, I, I know how to, believe it or not, for those under the age of 50, you can actually make popcorn without a microwave oven. I've done it. You can actually do it. Put it in a pan. A little bit of oil, put a lid on it. There you go. We did that in Boy Scouts. Yeah, right over a regular. It's the only fire. way we could make popcorn back then. Yeah, what, what we, we probably had when I was in Scouts. We, I don't know, probably one of the first microwaves was available. We didn't have one in our home. We certainly didn't want to have one when we went camping. When I was young, Jiffy Pop. Oh yeah, the easy one. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Remember Jiffy Pop? Oh yeah. Love Jiffy Pop. How inconvenient that would be today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've got to shake I gotta it. i got to stand there and, <laughs> and shake, shake the whole thing. What? <laughs> my granddaughters love making. Now, we have an air popper. Yeah, those are great. Those yeah. are so good. 
Um, but they've a couple of them have started getting into the, you know, putting the, the way we used to do it over the stove, put the little bit of oil in the pan, mm-hmm. put your kernels in, put a lid on it, and then shake it until it starts, you know, popping and do it that way. And then season it. My my oldest brother can make some great seasoned popcorn. He uses a whole list of things that he'll just I told him, I said, if you get me a gift, make me your popcorn. It's so good. Microwave popcorn. Give me a break. You know, I went to see a show at the uh, Palace Theater in Grapevine, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Take a guess how much a large popcorn was. And it was a big one. Mm. Five bucks. Medium was three. Small was two. I looked and I go, what's wrong with you people? Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'm going to give you 20 because I think this is a mistake and I don't want to get arrested on the way home. I'm giving you 20 bucks for this popcorn. I said, you're telling, you're telling me I can have a medium popcorn and a soda and it's not going to cost me five bucks? Right. It'll be under five bucks? Well, wait a minute. Isn't this supposed to be 50? <laughs> exactly. You know what I saw the other day? On, and they, were, um, they, they had a great laugh about it. I, I saw where some of the movie theaters are now hooking up with, uh, and I, I actually saw it on my account, it came up as a possibility. You can order the candy that you buy in at the movie theater. Oh. They will deliver it through DoorDash. It, this was DoorDash mm-hmm. in, my, in, in, in my case. And I thought, well, why would I want to do, because Walmart has the same candy, you know, for a dollar a box. Why would I go pay nine bucks a box and delivery charges? I'm not going to do that, but I thought it was interesting that they jumped into that game. They'll they'll deliver you. I didn't see popcorn on the menu. I'll have to see if it comes up again this weekend because I'm really curious to see what kind of business they're they're getting, or maybe they've decided to just discount it now and and go that route. That's where they make their money. Concessions is where movie theaters make their money. Oh yeah, you know they don't make their money off the off the actual movies because the movies are crap. <laughs> it's the popcorn, <laughs> and for some reason, the popcorn with that liquid fake butter probably is not healthy for you. But man, inside the movie theater, oh, isn't that the greatest tasting popcorn n- ever? Nothing better. <laughs> there's nothing better. Now, now think about it, though. Look at all the electricity that's wasted to make the popcorn, you know, the the movie, just everything. I mean, we're killing the planet by enjoying ourselves. You know, and, and there's there's exactly where it's going. But we can relate that to energy. This is what they do. Look, it's going to be warm this afternoon. Why are you using all this electricity? Why? Look at you. Unplug these things. What What is wrong? With, it won't be long before Elizabeth Warren will show up at your house. We must unplug your cell phones. We must unplug. What is this? A refrigerator? Oh, you don't need a refrigerator. Why do you need to store food like some kind of prepper? Well, they you ta- right wing yeah. nut job. Well, they've already talked about with all the electricity, all the stuff that we have that's on standby is drawing electricity. Yeah, and they're saying you should be unplugging everything. It's right. like that's not going to happen. Right, people aren't going to do that. Oh, I do have a. A, I do have a Taylor Swift connection here. Mm. 
I don't know how it was yesterday, but I mean the whole thing of you know with her at the Kansas City game the other day and <laughs> everything that happened. And I don't know where I was, but I I uh, I can't remember how I got to it. But I was looking at her private jets that she mm. she has two private jets. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, she's got two private jets, and I you couldn't see inside of hers, but they showed the same model. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one I think I can't remember the the name brand of it. But it was like 2011 has three jet engines, not even two, three. You know, it looks like the old um, 727 with one in the tail and then two on the side. Yeah, and right. and uh, forty million bucks. But that wasn't the part that got me. Mm. It's how many carbon credits because credits she has to buy, and she constantly buys carbon credits to offshoot the global warming that she's causing. And I'm like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, I, give it to charity. Exactly. Give it to give it to a good charity. Yeah. Right. No, but that's what, you know, that's the whole guilt thing. See, yeah. I can just buy my way through this whole thing. It doesn't apply to me because here's a check. Here's a check. And then my guilt is gone. Yeah. yeah. When there should be no guilt. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, I, I, you know, but that's the fact of the matter is, and and, and that's it. You don't have to feel guilty, but you've been made. This is a generation, including hers. It's been made to feel guilty for existing. I don't feel guilty at all for existing at all. Not for a moment. Wow. Now that's an interesting guilt trip. Yeah. Guilty for, for being. Yeah. The the guilt of being you. And yeah. and and hey, I was mm. raised Roman Catholic. Mm. Catholic guilt. I'm Scottish. I, I thought that was the ultimate. I'm Scottish. I thought that was the ultimate in guilt, and I never had existence guilt. No, I mean the the <laughs> the Scots. We're right up there with the Catholics on that whole thing. We feel guilty over things we didn't even work even associated with. We just take it. We just go up. Hey, you have any guilt? Okay, we we'd like the guilt. Give us the guilt. I'm grateful for my existence. I have no guilt. Yeah. Well, I feel guilty. Yeah. Because we're destroying the planet. Can you imagine? William- well, the planet's the planet is a bunch of molten rock. Yeah. Right. And other animals, but I'm an animal too. Imagine. They're, are they feeling guilt? They're not feeling guilt. No. I'm not going to feel guilt. You're destroying the planet, which is. Yeah. Well, you imagine William Wallace. Okay, it's great, the freedom and all, but you know, one day we're going to feel really guilty about using all this energy. I think we get off our high horse and just turn everything over to the king. Just leave it. We don't need freedom. Freedom is overrated. I'm taking this face paint off right now. Meanwhile, the king who was fat back... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, through all this talk coming up, we'll tell you about how Ford plans on cutting production 
of the uh, F-150 Lightning in half mm. in 22. You had brought it up the other day, CNBC had yeah. Yeah. Uh, though uh, also uh, yesterday. And, and I just remembered when we got on this discussion about the administration wanting to cut back all coal and all natural gas. Yeah. As we told you, I mean, this isn't new, but they reiterated it again. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I just thought about there was a uh, uh, an environmentalist testifying in front of Congress. I saw it yesterday and I believe I saved it. And it was about getting rid of all plastics. Oh, was yeah. she schooled. Yeah. About everything that she was, you know. The water bottle she had started going through everything that she, you know, everything that around her that was plastic. How do you get rid of it? What do you replace it with? You can't replace it with this. You can't replace it with this. Went down. She had no answers at all. How are you going to build an EV without plastics? Hey, that's great. Point. How are you going to build any home without plastics? Can't. Look at all the uses, the medical uses of plastics. Yeah. You know, and that's what they think they can do. We'll just outlaw the behavior. We don't have any answers. And you know why? Because they're morons. And by that, I mean they're stupid. And I'm trying to go easier. I'm trying to well, filter myself. Well, but there's no other way around it because if you step up and say, I have a replacement for plastics, and this is where I think it's going to go, or the private sector can offer this instead of that, and it will be more efficient. That's not what you hear. They're coming after anything and everything. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, "What is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.